Today's episode is brought to you by Path 11 TV, inspiring entertainment for the spiritually curious. With a Path 11 TV membership, you get instant access to over 100 hours of exclusive video content that explores consciousness, healing, and life after death. Also with the Path 11 TV membership, you can attend our monthly events and live streams free. In the past few months, we've already had medium readings with Drew Callie and Suzanne Northrup, along with a numerology session with Nicene Siegel and Chinese face readings with Marla Goldberg. Join us for our next event, July 21st, for another gallery reading, this time with medium Mark Schmidt. You can start your Path 11 TV membership for just $9.99 a month, or get two months free by getting an annual membership. Podcast listeners can save even more by using coupon code PODCAST30. This will take 30% off, making your first year only $70. That's only 20 cents a day. Don't hesitate, because this offer is only good for a limited time. All membership plans have a seven-day free trial. So start streaming with your membership to Path 11 TV today by visiting path11tv.com and start satisfying your spiritual curiosity with our exclusive library of inspiring entertainment. Now let's get to today's show. Hi, and thanks for tuning in to the Path 11 podcast. I am your host, April Hanna. At the Path 11 Podcast, we are here trying to deliver leading-edge research on consciousness, healing, and metaphysics. And just like you, we are trying to answer the big questions about life. Who are we? Why are we here? And what is our purpose? We hope by listening to our podcast, it will make each day you live on Earth a little easier to understand. And now for today's podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Path 11 podcast today. I am very excited to have our guest on the show. Her name is Wendy DeRosa, and she is the author of Becoming an Empowered Empath. She's also the founder of the School of Intuitive Studies, and she's been helping empaths develop intuition and experience personal transformation for over two decades. Wendy is a popular faculty member at the Shift Network and has filmed two programs for Mind valley spiritual growth channel and she lives in longmont colorado this is her book becoming an empowered empath that we're going to be talking about today how to clear energy set boundaries and embody your intuition so wendy welcome to the path 11 podcast thank you so much it's an honor to be here Yes, I'm very excited to talk to you about this because I think sometimes the word empath can uh, be disempowering, you know, so I love that the title of the book was Become an Empowered Empath. Um, I see many clients in my own practice that one of the first things when they sit down, they'll say is, oh, I'm an empath, I absorb everyone's, you know, energy, and I just feel like my depression and my anxiety isn't mine. I don't know how to be in the world. So I am hoping you are going to shed some light on on this topic for our listeners and our viewers who are watching on Path 11 TV. So um, why don't you give us a little bit of background of how you came to feel connected to this work and um, where it all started for you? Yeah, absolutely. So um, it started (laughs) through oversensitivity and a lot of symptoms as a child. Um, And I didn't know, I I actually didn't call myself 
of an empath. And sometimes it's a, um, it's part of what I might say I am, but really, um, there's sort of an unfolding around this, which is that as a child, I um, had heightened, heightened sensitivity and um, I could see, hear, feel, and know intuitively lots of different information, but to a child who doesn't understand, has no framework for that experience. It's debilitating. It's overwhelming. I became a sponge. I developed anxiety, depression. Also, I also gained a lot of weight as a child, absorbing and absorbing. Um, and then through my high school years, I developed more anxiety. I worked um, I was the oldest child of eight, oldest girl of eight. I have an older brother. I, um, I nannied, I worked, I knew how to take care of people. And by the time I was 19 years old, I had a, a full-blown panic attack and nervous breakdown. And so after following that, I, um, I, had this calling from within to that there was something I something inside me that was untapped and I needed to understand it and learn more about it. But all I knew was all I, the only intuitive hit I was getting was to move to Colorado. And I was living in Boston at the time. And I, um, I kept feeling it. I knew it was the next step on my path that was going to open up new doorways. Um, and I, I basically, had a divine intervention on the street in Boston. No, no, no. <laughs> it's not just, not just a divine <laughs> intervention. Okay. So back up for a second, because this was yeah. such an amazing story. You have to give the details because you okay. were, you're also extremely musically inclined. Okay. Yeah. Right. And you were really going, you know, through this battle of, do I continue with music? You've had this calling to go to Colorado, um, you know, and that you were kind of not quite sure what you were going to do with your music career. And then this amazing moment with one of your good friends happens in Boston with this random person. And I'll let you take it from there, but you have to give some yeah. of the details because it's phenomenal. Well, to also clarify, I it, the, the decision I was trying to make was post-nervous breakdown, do I stay in school and and complete the semester or forfeit the tuition and leave mid-semester because I was in crises and music had been a part of my healing. Like I'd really immersed myself in this healing time in front of the piano and, and um, you know, singing. And so I'm walking down the street with my roommate post this hospital experience of the nervous breakdown. And we're decide, we're talking about, do I stay and finish or do I leave? And the, we're walking and we're talking and we take this, we're walking down Beacon street from Boston, take a left on Newberry street. And there used to be a tower records on the corner and there on the side of the street was a man carrying a ukulele. He was wearing a red jacket and he said, um, can I sing you girls a song for some spare change? We were engaged in conversation and I said, no, that's okay. And he stops me and he says, no, Wendy, you need to hear a song. So he calls me by name and then I look at him and he's got this glow around his head sort of horizontally, meaning like framing the entire head of his body. And I just locked in with him and, and it was it was somewhat 
sort of mesmerizing. And um, certainly I can, I have this, the words now, but back then I didn't have the words that I was experiencing a transmission experience with this person on the street. And so he start. he gets down on one knee and he sings home on the range with the Buffalo Rome. One day you're going to get to Colorado. And then he stands up and he says, Wendy, it's not your time to go yet. Hang in there. You're going to get there. And he gives me a kiss on the cheek and he vanishes. He, he scoots off behind and my roommate and I literally look at each other and look back and, and he's completely gone. And then she darts around looking in town. <laughs> she opens the door. She's like, where did he go? And both, and I'm sitting there having this, like this profound download or this profound healing on the street and my anxiety left my anxiety healed I was filled with joy I we were giddy as we're continuing our walk and all we kept saying was I can't believe that just happened I can't believe that just happened and we both knew it was an angel and that's what it felt like one piece I forgot I left out is that he did tell me his name he said his name was Arius much later 10 years later I was giving a book talk and telling this story I never, I've never said this in a podcast, so I'll say it here just because it's so fascinating. But I was telling the story in, in, in my book, on a book talk for my, um, one of my other books. And my mom was in the audience and I actually turned to her in the talk and I said, because afterwards I called my mom, my mom was very, very Catholic and she prayed all the time. And I said, mom, you're never going to believe what just happened. And I told her and she said, Wendy, I sent you that angel. And at the time I was so ornery. I was so like, an, you know, an ornery teenager. I was like, why do you have to take responsibility for everything spiritual that happens in my life? I was so mad <laughs> at the time. So 10, fast forward 10 years, I tell this story and my mom's in the audience. And she said, I said, mom, do you remember this? And she said, yes. And what I remember is I got a book out, uh, like a Catholic book in her bookstore, Catholic bookstore that said, um, when you something about when you can't reach your children, how to reach them through prayer. And it was about sending your angels, sending angels to your children. And she said, I picked the angel Arius because I knew he could reach you through song. Oh God. I had chills reading it and I have chills now. Oh, it's so yeah. amazing. It just it brings me to tears, you know? I mean, that's just so, it's crazy and amazing and exciting and magical. And like, how do you, from that point on, like not believe in miracles and angels at that point? Like you said, yeah. you know, this random stranger on the street knew your name, called you out by your name twice, the lyrics of the song that he chose, and then a healing. And like you said, a transmission happens for you and that anxiety and fear leaves. Yeah, it was a pivot. I mean, it definitely put me on a trajectory to, to seek out, to know, to know that like, this is the step I need to take in this direction, as scary as it was to break the norm, which was to stay in school at the time, the pressure right. to complete. Yeah. And I just knew there was a bigger calling for me. 
Yeah. So with your upbringing and, you know, like you said, you were a caretaker, you have a large family, you were taking care of your siblings, nannying, you were like the nanny on the block. <laughs> you even, I think you said, commissioned your sister and get, got her some jobs um, for yeah. all of that. So as you learned that you tended to absorb and feel a lot of people's energy, how did you learn to begin to heal that and become empowered yourself with your own energy? And then hence also writing this book. Yeah. So part of it was, um, you know, I, I, from there, you know, I develop, I learned to develop my intuition and my clairs, my seeing, hearing, feeling, and knowing senses, the clairvoyant, clairsentient, claircognizant, clair, um, what did I say? Clairaudient. So when the word empath really started to become, um, a pretty pronounced experience that people were waking up to. It coincided for me on the journey of working with clients and, um, you know, students and running my, my school. It coincided with the increase of trauma in the field. And I started to really notice that um, where I was working in clients specifically when I was taking clients was a lot of their lower body and recognizing that, that so much of the Claire, the, the empathic experience relates to the sense of claircognizance, excuse me, of clairvoyant. Oh my gosh, clairsentience, the feeling sense in the body. And that feeling sense, that clairsentient sense, very much relates to the lower chakras, specifically the second chakra, our feminine power, our empathic nature, our ability to feel beneath the table. And I was recognizing that people were having to escape the lower body to survive in the consciousness of what was going on in the world right now, which is was immense, immense amount of unearthing of shadow and trauma that actually existed, but was subcurrent and suppressed. And it was coinciding with a lot of people's um, sort of the eruption of those, that shadow, which became collective trauma, therefore touching on people's personal traumas. And so this experience I was observing was happening for my, you know, for certainly for myself, but also for students and clients. And I realized that the more we started to work in healing the lower chakras and embodying presence in that area, the more success people were having in embodying their truth and their power and their presence and able to, you know, sort of maintain boundaries, not from protecting themselves from the outside, but from radiating from the inside. So that's how I started to move towards this awareness that, wow, empaths really need to know that they're, that need to know the chakra system for one and how it works, their intuition, which is part of the chakra system and how that works. And then also the presence of what, what happened, what's possible when we start to heal and empower these particular power centers in the body. 
Yeah, there was a really good um, sentence or paragraph um, that you have, and I have so many different things marked, so I probably won't be able to pull it out uh, verbatim, but you kind of described that the empaths basically, when they're feeling so immersed in other people's emotions is because they're not inhabiting their own body. It's like they're not within their own physical body. I was like, wow, I've never heard anyone put those words like that together, but yes, that makes so much sense. And I think even teaching people that are people hearing those words, it has to empower them to be like, wait a second, I want to hop back in my body. <laughs> you know, I want to be fully embodied in my own body. So I'm not giving all of this um, emotion and, and power away that they're able to keep that for themselves. And you also made, um, you know, there's a chapter in the book about how this is really also connected to the root chakra. Um, our root mm -hmm. chakra energy. Let me just grab my notes here. Yeah. So you have the chapter in the book about um, the root chakra and your family of origin and how you feel you focus a lot on that. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah. It ties in exactly with what you're, you're saying here is that um, nobody wants to be out of their body. It's not like uh, you know, it's certainly not something we should shame ourselves about and, and, and bit for being disembodied, disembodied, being ungrounded, because it is the way that our soul has chosen on a subconscious level to protect ourselves. Because here's what happens lower in the body is that, you know, as, as sentient beings were, were born into the physical form and part in, in the, on the, in the chakra system level, the energy body level, which we don't learn about in school, you know, we don't learn about this whole anatomy that's underlaying the nervous system. It's underlaying the physical anatomy, but we certainly carry a lot of imprinting on a soul level that imprints upon the nervous system and then the physical anatomy as well. Well, when we're born into our human experience, it, on a chakra perspective, we call that root chakra develop, developing years. Zero to seven is about it, it, you know, root chakra developing years ish, give or take. It, it also includes lifetimes or energy we've come into this world with. So, what happens is when we're, you know, we're light and we're born into the human experience, we are. We are we are new. We are connected to source. We're much closer to the divine than we were than we are later in our life. We're we're really carrying that that unconditional quality of of love. And and what happens is when we're born into our family of origin, which becomes our sort of the system that we're raised in, we are marinating in that energy, which is imposed by the system that our family of origin is raised in, which is societal, which is perhaps patriarchal, which is perhaps, you know, sort of the wider cultural systems that we're raised in. Well, as, an, as a sensitive being raised in our, these environments, we are sponges and we internalize belief systems that are spoken and unspoken. And in those experiences, we will internalize within ourselves whether or not we uh, are bonding to this experience is safe and that we have um, healthy bonding and attachment in our family of origin, or whether or not we are feeling a sense of unsafety that feels like 
who I am at a deep core level is not okay because the system I'm in doesn't feel okay and safe. We internalize that as something's wrong with me. And so we start to develop these very core beliefs in the root chakra area of the body that essentially compromises the sense of safety in our self, trust in ourself. What that looks like on an energetic level is a root chakra contraction. Essentially, the root chakra contracts at the base of the body because there is a, there's a sense of, I, I can't relax in who I am. And that might be because there was trauma in the field. That might be because there was projection of emotion, I mean, that could, might could have might mean because there was abandonment. I mean, it, there lots of different things would have caused a root chakra contraction. Um, and so what happens in the body is the root chakra contracts and our chakra system does an incredible job of compensating for a chakra that is in out of balance, closed, you know, something going on, blocked, something's going on. So what happens is the second chakra will then start kicking in and working in overdrive. The second chakra in, is in the pelvis. It is the empathic power center of the body. It feels the subtle currents. It feels intuitively what's going on beneath the table. Well, it's natural sensitivity when, the, when there's fear underneath it contracting, saying, you know, self-preserve, take care of yourself, something's not safe here, the second chakra moves into hypervigilance. And hypervigilance means that we start to feel and sense everything that's going on and, and, and be attuned to it, to, to tune to everything that's going on outside of ourselves in order to stay safe. Because if we're in tune to it, then I'm going to know how to organize myself I'm going to either be the peacekeeper, the caretaker, overgiving something to make sure that my, to, to make sure that I'm going to be okay in this environment. And part of that is giving myself away. Well, this pattern of hypervigilance, highly intuned externally, giving self away, over caretaking, and making sure that, you know, that safety is is intact by again becoming somewhat overly responsible for energy around around me becomes an a, a reenactment through the rest of our life with energy period all kinds of energy and so the spirit starts to lift up high in the body to stay high functioning and the lower chakras are doing this operating system in order to stay in survival mode so this pattern again I, I keep saying we're not we can't shame ourselves for not being grounded because the ungrounding the spirit lifting up is saying safer up here in the upper body because the lower body has to do its mechanism to stay safe so sometimes when we say i have to get grounded and i want to get grounded on the way down into grounding, coming down lower into our body, we have to feel this mechanism that's playing out. And essentially, we have to rebuild at the root chakra level of the body, the sense of safety, despite our story, 
despite our history like as spiritually progressing souls, that we start to develop this sense of, I am claiming my safety and what healthy bonding and attachment is for me. And I'm going to start connecting to myself in a whole new way. And I'm going to start, you know, recognizing where I've opened up too much to feel the world and just call myself back in. Sometimes it's just starting there as some of these patterns to, to shift some of these patterns. There's a lot more that I go into in the book around these lower chakras and how to shift the patterns. But, um, that that's where we, you know, that's sort of the, the, the profile that plays out. We just wanted to take a quick break to talk about our sponsor for today's episode, Path 11 TV. Not a fan of watching videos on your computer or laptop? Neither are we. That's why we recently launched the Path 11 TV app for your smartphone and TV. Now you can watch on your iPhone, iPad, and Android devices or if you prefer to wind down in your living room, you can now watch on your Roku, Apple TV, and Amazon Fire devices. For listeners of the podcast, the easiest way to get started is by pointing your web browser to path11tv.com and starting a seven-day free trial. But be sure to use coupon code PODCAST30, again, that's PODCAST30, to take 30% off of an annual membership for maximum savings. Once your membership is started, visit your smartphone or TV's app store and download the Path 11 TV app. Once downloaded, you can then link to your newly created account and start streaming on the go or relaxing in your living room. Visit path11tv.com for all the details. The other thing that I really love that you integrated into the book with this is talking about uh, the divine masculine and feminine and how when these powers kind of shift within us, um, you gave great examples of what a woman looks like with a depleted feminine and a strong feminine and um, same thing with her masculine energy as well. And, you know, you explain that it doesn't matter what sex you are, we all carry masculine and feminine energy and kind of what that looks like when it's out of balance for each sex. Can you touch on that a little bit? Because I started to hear you going there without necessarily using some of those words, but um, I think it's just so helpful for men and women who are listening and, and watching this, that they can give themselves a little bit of a quick assessment to see where their masculine and energy is and what work they might need to do. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so the second chakra, which I was referencing is, is a feminine power center and the masculine power is more in our solar plexus, third chakra region, again, no matter the gender. So what happens here is I said earlier that there's, there's sort of the, the system we were raised in on the family level, and then there's the greater cultural system that we've been raised in that influences us also. And we historically have been through a particular paradigm of suppression of the feminine by the wounded masculine, sometimes called the patriarchy or the toxic patriarchy. And these are, what this is, is that the, the, in our body, we have, we have healthy feminine energy. That's the ability to feel in in tuned with ourselves, in tuned with the world, 
comfortable with expressing and accessing our emotions. We're comfortable with vulnerability and truth. We're okay with slowing down and trusting the flow of life. It's also our creative essence, the quality of mothering, again, for for, you know, all genders. So that might mean caretaking or really having a nurturing quality. It's also the, the our sexuality and our ability to be, you know, really comfortable and connected in our, our sexual nature. These are sort of aspects of the, the some aspects of the the healthy feminine. The healthy masculine is the protective quality. The proactive quality, the masculine part of us manifests our true self into the world. We come up with visions, creativity, ideas, and also our creation. It's the masculine energy that calls that energy forth into or calls that into actualization in the world. Um, and so these are some qualities of the healthy masculine the wounded masculine is the controlling, the fear-based, the threatened by the feminine, therefore oppressive and, suppre and suppressive and domineering and somewhat, you know, projecting, gaslighting. We can see this sometimes in narcissism. The wounded masculine can play out in the narcissist um, archetype. Then we've got the wounded feminine, and the wounded feminine is the victim, the powerless, the suppressed and oppressed, the ability to not be able to have a voice, stand up for self, and somewhat become numb and disempowered. Now, all four aspects of these parts of masculine and feminine exist inside us every single human being. We see it out in the world and we see them in sort of archetypes in people. Like we can say, wow, so-and-so, you know, is really such a victim or so-and-so is really a narcissist. You know, we can see these sort of playing out, but the, but, but they are imbalances to themselves in our own energy body. One of the ways that um, a, a wounded masculine can play out inside ourselves is through our monkey mind that critical, aggressive, fear-based quality in us. If we, if we have a wounded, you know, if we have a monkey mind that's that um, critical, there's our wounded masculine. And how do we counterbalance that? How do we work with that? We actually nurture the feminine. We, we, we nurture the feminine and start to give ourselves connection for how we feel, for um, self-care and self-love, as we tune into a deeper voice inside us, as we find that deeper truth, those are, those are feminine qualities. That masculine, um, wounded masculine can come into balance inside ourselves. It can decrease inside ourselves. So those are some examples in, in how we work with it in our body. But on a chakra level, so much of empathic healing and um, empathic empowerment comes from connecting with the feminine in us and healing the feminine, healing the wounded feminine so that she, I'm talking about it as, a, as an archetypal energy, not a gender, but 
that energy can can feed can embody and almost I like the image of imagining that our inner feminine can sit powerfully on the throne in our second chakra take up it takes take a seat take up space and be absolutely okay with who she is with her own nature in that area of the body so that's one way to work with the the feminine and you know, there's more I go into too in the book. Yeah. But thank you so much for taking the time to kind of explain that. Cause I thought that was a really powerful, you know, part of your book and, um, somewhat, maybe a, a new concept to some people, you know, who are listening or haven't really looked at themselves as being the masculine and feminine and how do they identify that, you know, within themselves to strengthen that, to become more embodied and to be more of, like you say, an empowered empath. So, um, I was wondering if you'd like to move on to talking about boundaries. How do people Mm. set boundaries with their energy? How do they uh, allow themselves to walk in the world still feeling empathic and sensitive, but feeling in control of it? And you use the word grounded or ungrounded. Like some people say, I need to get grounded. I hear that all the time from clients. Like, just ground me. I want some grounding. (laughs) Um, but you know, with that and with being kind of, um, protective of our energy, there needs to be boundaries. And that's kind of like the number one word in therapy. If if you've ever been to a therapist before, they're usually talking a lot about how people can set boundaries in order to love themselves more, have more time for themselves, self-care. So how does an empath that's empowered begin to set boundaries? Yeah, it's a great question. I'm going to talk about three different types of boundaries um, to help. There's there's various ways, but I'll talk about three. One is our vocal boundaries. So empaths have learned uh, as children to navigate the unspoken. And sometimes that that unspoken has been confusing and has been, um, has been, chaotic for an empath to navigate and they and and we haven't always had the words for our experience because there wasn't somebody modeling you know honey those are my boundaries those are that's my energy not your energy you know we haven't and I'm making a big generalization here but for the most part it wasn't we weren't taught as empathic children to have these boundaries and so it's important for an empath to name their experience I feel confused right now. I feel that I, I'm having some anger in this moment. I feel like I need to take some space. I feel that I need to take a minute and journal through my experience, you know, what's coming up for me right now. Or I, this is great for empaths. Empaths are slow processors. So they need to take some space and get back to you. So own it, <laughs> own the slow processing. I'm going to take some space and I'm going to think about it and I will, they will run it through their whole system and feel what feels right. And then they'll come back to you. So these forms of vocal boundaries, even things once, if you recognize that someone is projecting their emotions and and there's a difference between holding space for someone who is going through grief or anger or another emotion versus they're projecting their emotion to you or at you. If the projection is happening, 
I am going to, I'm going to take some space. I'm going to walk away and we can come back and talk about this when we've both settled down, you know, or whatever the boundary may be. So having a strong vocal boundary sense, emotional boundaries, part of emotional boundaries ties into what I just said in terms of being able to have a vocal boundary if there's projection happening. But the other part is that one of the reasons empaths get, um, take on a lot of energy has to do with a, a little inner child inside deep down in the lower body who got the teaching that emotions are bad and wrong that it's not okay to feel them, it's not safe to feel them, and there's punishment if you express them. And so if we have been raised in environments where we got that verbally or non-verbally as a child, then there might be the experience of an oh no, in this moment, someone is having an emotion and I'm going into fight, flight, or freeze, or shut down. You know, and, and, and in that moment, we become overly absorbent. We lose connection to the conscious present moment and we go into a minute regression and that's when energy transfers. Mm -hmm. So if we start to say to ourselves, it's absolutely okay for me to be angry. I'm going to let myself have my anger. I'm going to be okay with my anger is appropriate. My grief is important. It's important that I feel the shame I don't have to believe the shame, but it's important that I let myself have the feeling and that I, you know, really tune into the, what I need on that deeper level, which might mean asking your inner child, what do I need? What do I need in this moment? Inner child, what do you need in this moment? So as we start to develop that emotional capacity inside ourselves, what it does is that it allows us to stay embodied and present when there are people around us having emotional experiences. And that's when we distinguish between our emotions and someone else's. It's when we're able to stay embodied instead of going into the regression or the fight, flight, or freeze, or the numbing or the overwhelmed reaction. Now, this is work. This takes time. This isn't a quick piece. It's sort of training ourselves, reparenting ourselves on how to have our feelings again, you know, without punishment or shame so that we can build emotional capacity so that we can hold space for someone else without taking in their energy. The, the third aspect of boundaries is energetic. It's that the, the piece I, I, I want to reference is that one of those really common tools is to surround ourselves in a bubble of light and kind of go out there in the world protected. And, and that is a wonderful tool. It's a wonderful um, maintenance mechanism to put in a place and it totally works when you need it. And it also works temporarily. And what I mean by that is that it doesn't replace the deeper need for radiance and radiance from the center of our energy field is where boundaries really initiate. And it comes from, again, healing, grounding, letting the central channel of our body illuminate. I talk about the central channel in the book, mm -hmm. that the radiance 
of our central channel, the healing of our chakras, creating more vibrancy and presence and radiance through healing in our body. That radiance, when we fill ourselves up with our true light, that is where our deepest, most core energetic protection comes from. And we can also put ourselves in light still you know, let the radiance happen and surround surround our bodies with a protective light. It's just that without that inner work and the bubble of light around us, the the you know that particular protection mechanism will it will fall short. You know, we won't we it, it, we'll still have the experiences of getting triggered by energy because it were meant to because it's an invitation to look at our deeper healing and what we need to see inside ourselves so that we can heal, process it, look with, look at it, and allow more radiance in our being. Yeah, great. Those are three really great examples. And um, in this book, I just wanted to let uh, people know that you give journaling exercises and also guided meditations. And uh, the one that I went to was the channeling of the light, uh, this guided meditation. So Wendy has this meditation in there for you guys to actually be able to go through to build that light within yourself, allow it to radiate out. It's a beautiful meditation. It's it's really great. Um, so I just wanted to let people know that this isn't just a book. There's It's like, it gives you homework, it gives you journaling questions, it gives you meditations to be able to read. So it's very comprehensive. And I, I love the aspect of, of all of those little nice touches that you put in there. Um, with these three examples, though, I want to uh, make mention to two things. When you say empaths are slow processors, is that because all of the emotion, they feel it very deeply and that it takes them time to actually process and go through, okay, what is it that I'm feeling? Um, why was I feeling this way? Why was that person reacting this way? How do I feel about it? Is it because they have to break through the layer of the initial uh, feeling and shock of all of these words and emotions coming at them in order, like you said, uh, a great recommendation is them for, to take space and then process and kind of break it down. So is that what you mean by a slow processor that they have to break it down because it's overwhelming? It, yeah, exactly. You know, and I think sometimes by default, as I mentioned that earlier pattern in the body, it's so typical for an empath to meet the need of the person outside of them. So in those moments, sometimes in these conversations, someone has an ask or a need and the, you know, an empath might say, okay, yes, I'll, I'll help you because that's the pattern in the body. I'll show up for you. But the journey back to self takes a little bit of time. And so if we were able to hear the ask or the request or the need from someone or the experience and be able to take that journey back to ourself through grounding, coming, you know, coming into an introverted space, taking some space to feel it is that it is that time it takes for us to settle into our own being and into our own thoughts and our own feelings and our own grounding to come to our truth before really, you know, meeting, meeting the coming back into the conversation to address it from a place of being connected. Otherwise, you know, an empath might give themselves away. Right. And the second example that you gave, um, you know, with maybe somebody coming across being, feeling very angry or um, upset or frustrated and you as the empath are kind of listening and, and taking this in, um, 
would it also be kind of a skill for empaths to know that they don't have to own that other person's emotions? So when you were giving that example of like the boundaries, it's like, know where you are with those emotions within yourself, but also know like, okay, it's okay if this person's tantruming right now. And if they want to be in anger, they can be in anger, but I don't need to absorb that. I don't need to meet them at that emotion. And I can stay in my body calm while somebody else is feeling very frustrated. Yeah, absolutely. I think a, a helpful tool in alignment with what you're saying is, is to, to recognize we have this auric field around the outside of our body. And we can literally say when someone is in their anger, I'm going to let them have their anger on the outside of my aura. <laughs> oh, I like you that. Know, it's like yeah, if we great. visualize it or yeah. sense it, mm-hmm. it, you can have that over there, over there in your own energy, you are welcome to have your anger. I'm going to have mine, my energy, my, mm-hmm. my presence here. Beautiful. Awesome. Well, I know that you work with people. Um, you have the school of intuitive studies. And so talk a little bit about that. So if people are listening and they're identifying as an empath that maybe is always feeling grounded or not within their body let people know how they can work with you. Yeah, absolutely. So I work with people more as a teacher now. So I train healers. I run programs for developing intuition, for energy healing. I have a monthly membership where I do offer a guided healing and a Q and A. Um, I also have my trained healers that have graduated from my my um, intuitive healer training program in schools who see private who do see one-on-one clients if they, if one-on-one support is needed. Um, I, and I run an intuitive healer training program, which is my year long program where, uh, people who are really feeling that call to develop their gift further and be immersed in a training experience. Um, that's, that's what I, um, that's my, uh, sort of big, deep, immersive experience training. Um, so yeah, so these, these are some of the ways I have my books and other programs I teach for the shift network also. Uh, and these are all on my website, school of intuitive studies. And I also have wendyderosa.com. Excellent. Well, thank you so much. I'm so glad your book came across my desk. Um, Again, it's Becoming an Empowered Empath. Here's the book title. It's beautiful. How to Clear Energy, Set Boundaries, and Embody Your Intuition. So I hope you guys run out and get this. These are great gifts too for friends. You know, if it's, if you kind of feel like you've done a really good job with your energy and you've kind of come through what Wendy is saying, I would pick this up and give it to a friend who is always using the words, I'm not grounded. I need to get grounded. Um, so I just love the book. Um, and, you know, you had a lot of people like Gabby Bernstein, um, you know, write the forward for this. But we've had a couple of people that uh, wrote, um, you know, reviews for it. Kim Chesney, we've had on the show, Michelle Fondin, Corinne Grillo, Lee Harris, who's one of my favorites, and Corinne Zucko. I'm like, I know all these people. I've met most of these guys. So I love the fact that they endorsed it. They do really good work in the world and you're doing wonderful work in the world as well. So thank you so much for being a guest on the podcast today. Thank you so much, April. It's been an honor. Thank you. Thank you. All right, everyone, one more time, Becoming an Empowered Empath with Wendy DeRosa. I hope uh, you took something away from this talk. She gave us a lot of good things um, to use in our real life. And I look forward to bringing you another guest next time. Take care, everyone. 
Thanks so much for tuning in to today's show. If you haven't already, please subscribe and rate and review the Path 11 podcast in Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Also, this podcast is made possible by our sponsor, Path 11 TV. Visit path11tv.com to start a seven-day free trial and start streaming over 100 hours of exclusive video content on consciousness, healing, and life after death. That's path11tv.com, and be sure to use coupon code PODCAST30 to take 30% off your annual membership. Start satisfying your spiritual curiosity with a membership to Path11TV today. Bye for now.